0: Our book, The Wisdom of Nurses, Stories of Grit from the Frontline, is available for pre-order.
1: Thanks to all that made this possible, especially the many nurses from across North America who generously shared their stories, passion, and wisdom with
0: us. From us, the hosts of the hit podcast, The Gritty Nurse, we discuss stories of the challenges, heartbreak, and humor of life on the front line.
1: One of the enduring lessons of the pandemic has been the pivotal role that nursing plays in healthcare vital work that isn't widely understood or sadly appreciated.
0: We started the wildly popular The Grady Nurse podcast to give voices to nurses all over the world, including more than 400,000 nurses in Canada.
1: We have become sought-after speakers and advocates for nurses and are called on regularly by the media to talk
0: about a wide range of issues around the profession. In our first book, Definitely Not Our Last?, We take you to the front line of nursing to show the compassion, selflessness,
1: and dedication of professionals who not only give it all for their patients, but get up to do it over and over again.
0: Pre-order the book now at your major book retailers. It'll be available in print and audiobook format.
1: Thank you so much. Take care and enjoy the wisdom of nurses. Hello, is this thing on?
0: Of course it is. They can definitely hear us.
1: Yeah, we're in our fourth season. There's no silencing us now.
0: Welcome to the Gritty Nurse Podcast, an unfiltered discussion on health and healthcare. My name is Amy Archibald Burley. And I'm Sarah Fung, and we are your podcast
1: hosts. Please make sure that you subscribe to our new YouTube channel, where you can watch our podcast
0: in video format. Please hit the subscribe button. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or any other podcast platform, leave us a rating and review.
1: So before we start this episode, I think it's really important that we have a disclaimer that we will be talking about sexual assault, sexual assault allegations, sexual abuse, And if you find this episode triggering, please make sure that you reach out to the right, appropriate uh, supports. And again, if you are a victim of sexual abuse or sexual violence, please make sure that you reach out to someone. There are people that are willing to listen and people that are willing to help.
0: Absolutely. And just know that you are not alone.
1: Absolutely. Next disclaimer. This episode is probably going to be explicit. I cannot believe that we have to have the conversation that we're going to have today. And I really think we should almost start off with saying, do we need a Me Too, a hashtag Me Too movement in our healthcare system? And I'll easily answer this as saying yes. So, you know, with the recent guilty verdict of Peter Nygaard and countless others, so Harvey Weinstein, Jeffrey Epstein, all these powerful men in positions of power over many other people, they've all been convicted and tried and have found guilty of Mm -hmm. sexual assault and Mm -hmm. sexual abuse allegations. What makes medicine practitioners, physicians, anybody else in power, but we're going to specifically be talking about physicians today, any different from these particular men? Let's move into the article that we just saw this week from Mm -hmm. the CPSO.
0: Right, so we're talking specifically about a Toronto doctor who has sexually abused patients. What's, and his, has, name? What's his name? name his him. name, his name, his name. It is Dr. I'm going to pronounce this wrong. Is is Dr. Havad Perovi. And he actually has been um, abusing patients for some time. He has what they said greatly harmed the medical profession, but he will keep his license after his third suspension. So that's what we're talking about today. And um, he actually is at high risk of losing his license although he has not lost his license oh my
1: god he's at (laughs) high risk of losing his license when he has had so many proven allegations of sexual assault like this is wild to me it makes no sense that you can say that this person's at risk of losing their license anyways it's just very infuriating it's like
0: when you're dealing with a child's like you if you don't do this you're not gonna get candy but we're gonna keep letting you do this yeah and i mean it's
1: some of the things that he did are egregious. Mm -hmm. He was cupping women's breasts or tweaking their nipples with no medical reason to do so while practicing in his walking clinic. And he was even giving out his cell phone number to young female patients um, whom he's dated for over a year. These aren't just small little things. And I, and I I always think to myself, if, you know, I think in this case, they said four practitioners came, uh, four patients came forward This is not an isolated incident. Mm -hmm. I am sure there are many, many other women that have faced awful abuses at the hands of Dr. Havid fever or whatever his name is.
0: So I think also this is greatly underreported because if you think about in general when someone is sexually assaulted, there are so many reasons why they may not report this. Right. And so the fact that four people reported, maybe there are 40 or 400 people who had this happen and didn't report it. The other thing that really concerns me is that he was actually suspended for seven months in September for failing to abide by the condi- conditions of his license. Do you know what some of those conditions were? Yep. He was not allowed to see female patients without a chaperone approved by the college and physicians uh, of Ontario so how does that instill any confidence at all we're basically talking it's like it's like if there was a a child sex offender um, still being allowed to see children as long as they had a chaperone as long it makes it makes absolutely no sense and the fact of the
1: matter is you know they they he had this chaperone that he was supposed to be having and again they discovered the the, so there was a routine routine compliance monitoring and the college selected 10 of his patients at random times during 2020 and discovered that three female patients had appointments in the absence of this college approved chaperone while two others had multiple appointments that had that the chaperone would sometimes leave what the fuck? Why okay? would, why would this person like, this sometimes
0: is, leave? Then they're not even doing their job. But
1: hold on. Like, it, like this is so sketchy, right? Like, you know, like I think about like a school, right? Could you imagine if this teacher had had sexually assaulted students several times and then we're like, well, you know what? We'll just put a chaperone in the classroom or we'll just have someone every once in a while from the, the board of education drop in and make sure that the chaperone's there.
0: The other thing, what is this? The other thing that scares me is that they only realized because they were doing quote unquote routine checks. So what if these routine checks never happened? We're allowed to leave a doctor who sexually assaulted women who has a chaperone that sometimes stays and sometimes leaves uh, in the presence of female patients behind closed doors alone doing God knows what. It doesn't make any sense to me. And and again, it says the college
1: had actually canceled its approval of the chaperone, barring this physician from seeing female patients. But then he brought in a new practice monitor without first getting the college's approval. And he saw about eight female patients in a single day in this new chaperones presence like I just think that there's so many different things that are compiling here that just does not add up like these little these are like little slaps on the wrist to say oh here's you can continue practicing we'll put these stupid little band-aid situations in but like, there's no actual accountability or change. And again, the CPSOs mandate It's to protect the fucking public. (laughs) So fucking protect these
0: patients. And I think that nurses have lost the license for way, way, way less than this. Mm. If we want to talk about Carolyn Brostrom and what happened to her for simply posting on social media that her father deserved better care in a long-term care facility. Um, Nurses have lost their license for way less than this. And it just really concerns me because I'm going to ask everyone listening one question. Would you want to be alone in a room with this doctor? Would you want your mother, sister, daughter to be alone in a room with this doctor? And if the answer, I mean, the answer is gotta be no, <laughs> one. Right. I'd be surprised if it's yes, but this needs to get people thinking, should this person have a medical license?
1: Uh, Absolutely fucking not. And the other piece, sorry, mom. Like I'm just, anyways. Like, no, this person should not have their license. And the other piece, there's like these little steps that the CPSO is putting in. So again, um, he was twice denied the college investigators that kind of came into his office to see these logs that he was supposed to keep. So he denied,
0: he denied, he yes! can Twice deny that. He denied
1: the college investigators that he saw those patients and a patient log from that day had never been turned over to the regulator as required. And he also was supposed to have signs. Okay, let's talk about signs, okay? He was supposed to have signs in his office that would indicate the conditions on his license. But when these regulators came in, the signs were folded over and the contents were not visible and at least in 2 days on November 2021, when college investigators made room visits, they said that signs were also not posted in the examination rooms. So these patients don't even have informed consent to know what this practitioner was willing to do and why this practitioner had conditions. Of course, he would probably want to hide it because he's a fucking sexual predator, but he's allowed to see patients and hold signs,
0: Sarah, the CPO. CPSO asked him to put signs up like, hi, I am convicted of of sexual misconduct. But but even
1: think about it. When you walk into your doctor's office, how many signs are on the wall?
0: There are so many signs. So many signs. Who's going to
1: fucking read that sign? Can we make this make sense? There needs to be stronger le- legislation around protecting patients and probably protecting the people that he works with. Like these aren't isolated incidences. We've worked in healthcare we're, where we've worked around physicians who have said some fucking messed up stuff. Mm-hmm. And, we're, and like these people are able to continue to practice. It makes no sense. We're, how are these physicians any different than Jeffrey Epstein, Harvey Weinstein? Peter Nygaard, how are they different? Please explain to me how these cases are different.
0: In a lot of cases, I think it's worse because we're dealing with very vulnerable patients. It is
1: absolutely worse because at least, you know, in these cases with, you know, the the other folks I had mentioned, they are bosses, right? So they are in positions in places where they can fire or hire their staff. Mm -hmm. We are talking about vulnerable patients.
0: Right, we're talking about people that- They have no choice sometimes in in this instance to go in to see this practitioner. Like They're doing their worst, okay? And the thing is, I feel bad for people with any sort of language barriers that don't even understand what's going on. And if something happens, they don't even have- they can't report it properly, is what I'm trying to say. And everything gets swept under the rugs. They have no voice, they have no autonomy, they have no sense of agency. And whatever happened to zero tolerance, because I feel like this is a joke here. We're on, literally, we're on what, strike three, and um, nothing tangible has happened still. It's it's unbelievable. So I,
1: I wanna read a direct quote from what the role of the CPSO is here. And the CPSO's core mandate is to serve the public interest by regulating the physicians of Ontario so you, it says you in in, in all capital letters, can deliver great, great care to the patients you serve, care that is recognized and is amongst the best in the world. And then I also want to read to you what the CPSO says regarding sexual abuse. As Ontario's medical regulator, the CPSO investigates complaints against doctors in the province, including sexual abuse complaints. We have a zero tolerance policy when it comes to sexual contact between a doctor and a patient, even when that contact would otherwise be considered consensual. So this is where, again, something here is not making, there's a disconnect. And again, there are actual laws that we have here in Canada and in Ontario in relation to sexual assault. And again, in the wake of this particular case, a Dr. Uh, I can't say his name. I'm going to say his name wrong again.
0: Why don't we say Dr. P? Dr. Dr. P.
1: We'll, We'll make sure that his name and his face shows up in our episode. Anyways, in the wake of his particular sexual abuse case and other sexual abuse cases, the former provincial government brought in a new law that added in grouping in the acts of sexual abuse requiring the automatic revocation of a physician's license. And this is in 2016. So please, somebody... Should we be looking at Doug Ford? I, I don't know, but please, somebody explain to me how this physician is able to continue to practice. Like somebody needs to come up with answers here because mm-hmm. this is insane.
0: Mm-hmm. There have been nurses that have uh, they've they've been uh, disciplined by the college, and they that actually remains on their record forever, and they can't get a job. So I don't know why this person's still in practice. And the other thing I wanted to bring up is that um, I feel like we need a register of physicians who are sexual offenders it shouldn't be that you have to go to the college of physicians and surgeons website look this person up click on their profile like there should be a list just like there's a list of sex sexual offenders in in your neighborhood right there should be a list there and i mean it needs to be common knowledge just needs to be accessible it can't be folded over signs and like waiting for the media shop chaperones oh i just want to tell you something about a doctor that I know. Oh, no. um, so this doctor, and I think this is so sick. He used to drop pens on purpose on the floor so that women would have to bend over and pick <sighs> them up in front of him. Like this is disgusting. This is yeah. absolutely disgusting. I
1: mean, I, yeah. It's just, there have been cases where like, I remember working in a particular hospital, we were doing a, a C-section on a particular patient, patient needed a general anesthesia and the physician making jokes about her breasts. And the thing is, like, I remember people laughing. I'm like, this is not appropriate. Like, it's not funny. This patient is anesthetized. And it's just, this is sexual harassment. Yeah, The thing is, I could tell that the nurses were so uncomfortable, but that power dynamic stops Mm -hmm. people
0: from speaking up. Right. And just think if you were that patient and you're just going under or you're just waking up and you hear someone saying this, you have no control over what they're saying and you're about to go for surgery. Like how would that impact you? How would that make you feel?
1: I mean, let's talk a little bit about like what the public, like how, why should the public be interested in, and even what some of the, his own um, people have said about particular case so one of the victims her name is tamir dixon said that she has zero confidence in the college um she's like it's a joke to me to just put it lightly again one of the medical malpractice lawyers his name is paul hart pointed out um on friday so friday november 20 uh 2020 friday november 10th 2023 that the college's primary function is public safety and, that, and said that the regulators should have again pushed for revocation. We have laws in place mm-hmm. that say that if a physician has been proved guilty of sexual assault, that they should not have their license. Like, I don't understand. He also pleaded guilty in a criminal court to simple assault on two patients after initially being charged with sexual assault, and he received a conditional discharge, meaning no criminal record, no probation. Wow. How does this instill any trust or support of the public in the CPSO or the courts? Right. Like, right. How, how would you feel as a female patient or even a male patient going in knowing that your perpetrator or, or your abuser most likely will not face any penalty? Maybe they will be slapped with a fine, but then they can continue to practice to look after your mom, mm-hmm. your mm-hmm. sister, your brother, your child, your aunt, your niece this is outrageous.
0: And just think about the people who have come forward. I know nurses in the past who have come forward about sexual assault and they're made to feel like it's their fault or they shouldn't have dressed or acted a certain way. It is not your fault. It is never your fault with sexual assault. I just wanna make that clear for anyone listening and that you should feel empowered to speak your truth. And we need to work together. It's sad that we have to do this, that we're even having this episode, but this is where we're at right now.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I think, someone had said to me the other day, they're like, oh, you know, you're putting a lot of pressure on the CPSO. I'm like, 100%. Although the college unsuccessfully fought all the way to the Ontario Court of Appeal to strip him of his license, their job and sole responsibility is to protect the public. Whoever is in charge needs to be held accountable. This is absolutely unacceptable. There is no two ways about this. We need to have a Me Too movement in healthcare because this is not right. There, There's no way that we can explain this away to patients and families that are seeing this happen to say that this is okay. It is absolutely unequivocally not okay. And this is a very worrying trend that we're seeing in healthcare. You mentioned your own experiences. I've talked about um, my own experiences. There was actually another experience that happened, um, I'd say probably within the last five years of someone, I, I can't disclose who the person was, who went to get a vasectomy. And he went to the office and he was touched with no gloves on. (laughs) wow! Wow. And and I remember this person telling me about this instance is like, "Is, is something off? I'm like, yeah, something's fucking off. Like no one's supposed to be fondling your nuts without wearing gloves. And then imagine this person would be doing surgery on them. Like this stuff is completely unacceptable. And it's like, I mean, how I need someone to explain to me how are these physicians Any different from our Epstein's, Weinstein's, or you know, or neither? How are they different? Right,
0: exactly. We're going
1: to talk about how they're different.
0: I'm going to read a quote from one of Dr. P's victims, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, So initially, there's a publication ban on her name, but it's been lifted since. So this is from Tamara Dixon, one of um, his victims. She said, "It's a failure. It's an absolute failure." brought on by a broken system Mm -hmm. to have a doctor whose whole profession is built on trust sexually abuse patients and um continue to practice is reprehensible i'm devastated after eight years there is no justice yeah and i mean i i couldn't even imagine
1: right like Mm -hmm. we we know of four but how many more have experienced abuse at this physician's hands right it's 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 disturbing Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we need to seek out justice, and again, like I said, this is not something these are these one offs. So, for example, there was another case I read a Toronto doctor gets no professional penalty for a sexual assault on a six year old, a 16 year old, after the panel finds out that he was struggling to express his gay identity. And this was a doctor, Farouk Khan. So, what happened was after the discipline, the College of Physicians and Surgeons ruled in a rare split decision that he should not receive any penalty and he should um, have to pay no cost. But listen to the story. He was 24, a medical resident. This child was 16 and they were sharing a bunk bed. And One night, Con went down to the bottom bunk and fondled the patient while masturbating, believing mm. him to be asleep. And... They had this information and from the discipline proceedings, three of the panels, five members, two doctors and one community rejected the proposed punishment of a 12, a 12 month suspension. Come on. And that was submitted by both sides.
0: Come on. I thought you were about to say 12 years, 12 months is just a slap on the wrist. But the thing is
1: they, 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 it was rejected because two physicians and one community member said, no, I find that very interesting. Could you imagine? Like, I can't even imagine, like, look. Don't let me go all like man on fire or, you know, like any of these things on these people, because I can't imagine being that parent to to have someone say, well, this is what happened to your child, but nothing's going to happen. There's no justice. There's no justice. doctor can continue to practice because he was struggling with his gay identity. Don't give me that bullshit. That is
0: ridiculous. I mean, just think about this poor 16 year old. He's grown up now. I'm sure that this trauma, I'm still I'm sure this haunts him to this day. I have very little doubt that this still haunts that doctor. Yeah,
1: And yeah. the other piece here, there was um, a CBC, um, I guess it was kind of like a fifth state, some investigations said that disciplined doctors are often given second chances. Um, 250 doctors across Canada were disciplined within the last 15 years for patient boundary offenses. Fewer than one third lost their license and about half of the doctors continue to practice to this day. In fact, CBC, oops, I'm going to go back here. I don't know what I did. In fact, CBC identified 28 doctors who have been cited more for more than one offense of inappropriate behavior to their patients. Again, five of them continue to practice. Of the 250 doctors who were found to have behaved inappropriately with patients, 181 were general practitioners, so your family doctors, and 32 were psychiatrists. And again, it just the the numbers are continuing, just are staggering. So there's a stat, uh, a statistic I want to pull up and I will pull that up on the screen right now, where it says the analysis found a total of 934 formal discipline cases representing 817 physicians in 10 provinces and two territories. Offenses range from faking credentials, ethical breaches, and minor administrative issues to lack of skill and poor quality of care. And then I'll I'll pass it over to Sarah to talk about the second infographic.
0: So the second infographic is about uh, a report on 250 physicians with inappropriate behavior to patients. So about half, so 121 were a physical relationship and 64 were sexual contact, that's huge. 36 were inappropriate gestures and comments. 19 were criminally charged sexual contact and 10 were emotional or financial relationship that is really scary i think about the stat that stands out me, to me the most is the criminally ca- charged sexual contact Only 19? because like, that re- that actually scares me that makes me think that maybe it's like having sex with a minor like this is mind
1: boggling yeah it's just we can't sweep this under the rug and i feel like the the difference is here that they're physicians, right. right? They're in this profession where it's supposed to be highly respected. They, 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 there is a lot of respect for physicians, but I don't believe that they should be treated any differently than anybody else out there. I don't care how much money you have, how much power you have. If you are sexually abusing people, the, 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 the punishment should be the same for anybody else and we're seeing powerful men being taken down and they should be taken down and I hope that we start seeing some more po- mm-hmm. more legislation surrounding this because it's very very concerning.
0: Right so the commonality I see with all of this is abuse of power. Yep. So not just the Jeffrey Epstein's or the Harvey Weinstein's but you know there was that scandal with the Catholic Church and the priests of priests that are sexually assaulting boys. Like this is just all abuse of power. And we need to stop this. We need to we need to talk about what this means. And we need to have a society where there, is, there isn't such a big difference in power and people abusing their power. People should be using their power for good, especially when they're dealing with people at their most vulnerable times. hundred percent. There's a
1: study here and I'll get, I'll pull that this
0: up again. So National Academy's
1: report highlighted and, and report and highlight the need for more rigorous evaluation of sexual harassment in medicine. Again, we see that more women than men are facing this type of harassment, not saying that men do not face it, but we do see that there is disproportionate Unfortunately, women who face this um, at higher rates. Again, gender harassment from sexual coercion to jokes, sexual Im- imagery, almost some form of a power dynamic, like uh, Sarah mentioned. And again, these violations during the physician and patient encounters can cause deep harm to patients because trust is literally the absolute cornerstone of relationships in healthcare. Like, Mm -hmm. like nurses, we're considered the most trusted professions. Again, if you are feeling violated because of this, it's devastating. It has devastating impacts. And again, you know, doctors have this kind of implicit consent to touch patients' bodies. So, you know, for most people um, it might be hard for them to decipher if this is inappropriate touch or not, right, they, they might not even know. But the sad reality is that whenever there's a difference or that imbou- imbalance, like you said, of power or authority, and people exploit that, um, we tend to venerate doctors, you know, yeah. we're not trained to question them or ask, you know, anything of, of them. Because even if you think about it in our nurse physician relationship, when you question a doctor's like, challenging their power and authority. And again, it makes people not speak out.
0: But right. right. Speak out. And I think there's a cultural component to this too. Like in a lot of cultures, what the doctor says goes no matter what. And it's, you don't question it because that is part of your culture and the way that you were raised. Even if you feel it was wrong, you, you tend to go with what. They say or yeah, what they do and don't report funny. it. Yeah. So we've talked a lot of bit. We've talked a lot about the struggles. Let's talk about some recommendations or suggestions we have for what we can do in this situation.
1: Quickly before you, I wanted to throw in one other stat. So with that last report, Mm -hmm. Um, it said that they concluded that over two-thirds of those doctors with strong evidence of sexual misconduct against them had not been disciplined by any medical boards. So this definitely dovetails into the fact that we need to talk about what we recommend. And my first recommendation is, is it ever possible to have an institution or system that effectively governs itself? How many people on the CPSO board or CPSO government sit there that are physicians themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So again, this is why, you know, they have SIU units. And again, I don't even think SIU units are perfect. They're definitely not. But again, how can we ensure that People who work in these places are the same ones that govern. It doesn't make sense to me. And again, we see time and time that, again, if you have those relationships, and again, it's like that boys in blue, or, you know, we're all mm-hmm. physicians, we need to protect ourselves, that we might not necessarily see the effects that we want to see because
0: they will try to protect themselves. Definitely. I think there needs to be a more formal and transparent reporting process because. What what do you do right now if you have been sexually assaulted? You might contact the hospital. You might contact the uh, CPSO. But I don't think it's very transparent, and people don't actually know how to report. Yeah. Never mind the results of the reporting.
1: And again, if if your board is a physician-dominated board, I'm charged with overseeing disciplinary doctors. They're going to be less objective, and that is. Problematic. We need to make sure that we have independent people, independent voices, people who aren't necessarily that sit in medicine to be governing these boards and we need to really take a, a strong look at how these boards operate because a lot of them are shady AF. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the other pieces, we need to go after institutions because some of them, some hospitals cover up these crimes themselves. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's hugely problematic. We talked about hockey Canada a couple months back and seeing how the whole hockey Canada situation played out where they had to remove their entire board. And they're looking at doing things differently because there was a culture of silence around sexual abuse within, within hockey. It's the same in medicine. There's a, there is a culture of, of silencing people, of not letting people speak up, about, you know, shaming people. And again, that same culture that's in hockey is in medicine that, you Mm -hmm. know, boys must stick together Mm -hmm. and we need to change that. So institutions that are protecting themselves the stuff needs to come down. You need to dismantle it. I've I made a post where I said, I do call for the resignation of the boards and as well as the president of the CPO, CPSO. I stand strongly and firmly behind that because how can we continue to see this happening? And we have no, we, have, we do nothing about it. it. It is shameful and disgraceful.
0: Right. And I think if you go back to our episode about nurses and physicians who are murderers, like the serial uh, killers, you'll come to realize that institutions are concerned about their image and protecting themselves yep. so they don't want to be associated with a doctor who might be a convicted sexual offender but what are they doing really besides protecting themselves or not protecting the staff or the patients they are actually enabling these people to continue doing what they're doing because they are afraid of how it might look to them
1: 100 percent, and it almost speaks again to a hugely uh, publicized publicized case where They tried to save their own ass. They knew that they had messed up Kaiser Permanente or whatever the hospital's name is. We might move that. It was uh, Kaiser Permanente. Was it Kaiser Permanente? Anyways, they tried to cover up their own shady behavior. And then what did they do? They dumped it on the nurse, right? Mm-hmm. Again, this is where you know we need to hold organizations accountable. I want to just throw in a quick CNN report where they talked about the results of sexual abuse cases within medicine. And it says that um, within this report, and we'll post it in our show notes, the results were very concerning. And they said that it's astounding that at the systemic level, there seems to be conditions where sexual abuse is allowed to happen and physicians are not held accountable at all. So we need to see change. We need to absolutely see change. And the only way to push for it is to be asking for people to step down, is to be asking for people to be held accountable. And I do I do believe that the CPSO is, should be held responsible for not protecting the public. And I think, I hope that more of you out there who are listening, speak up and raise your voices to say mm-hmm. that, you know, this is not right. We need to protect patients, vulnerable patients. What about, I mean, this could be an elderly person. It could be anybody. Mm-hmm. And this is just not right. We need to do More, we all need to speak out together and we need to hold the CPSO accountable for their actions here. Definitely. Or inaction, we should say.
0: Don't be a bystander, be part of the solution.
1: Yeah, and to those, again, If you are suffering or you had suffered at the hands of sexual abuse or sexual violence from a a physician or any healthcare provider in that matter, you can reach out and you can receive support. We are happy to support, point you in the right direction, but make sure that you do speak up and there will be people that will support you. Again, you're not alone and we are here to stand behind you as well to make sure that you get the help and support that you need.
0: Thank you so much for listening, Um, and we feel like this is a very important conversation. It's a difficult conversation, but it's one that needs to be had.
1: Time is now, and we need a Me Too movement in healthcare.